What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Grown Man Podcast. My name is Tyler, and I am so excited to introduce our guest for today. Being a man and an entrepreneur pushes you in a lot of varying directions, and it can be hard to pull in the reins and decide for yourself what those titles mean for you and what you can do with that influence and that leadership. If that's ever been you, then Mark Phillips is the man to look to. He's the founder and managing partner of 11 Tribes Ventures with a mission to create more durable, sustainable, and profitable entrepreneurs and companies. We are so fired up about what Mark shared with us, and we cannot wait for you to hear. Hey. Mark Phillips, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for being here, brother. Thanks for being here. So we'll kick it off with the million dollar question, right? Uh, where did you learn what you know about what it means to be a grown man? It's a, it is a million dollar question. Uh, and, and I, I like what Luke Dooley said a couple of weeks ago, let's go off the assumption I am a grown man, um, and not still a child, but no, uh, you know, for me, Kurt, it, it really was through my father. Um, uh, I am so appreciative for, the role and the influence that he played in my life, um, just a quick background on him. He was a lawyer. Uh, he, he went to law school. He and my mom got married, had a kid way earlier than they thought they were going to, uh, and, and ended up going to law school while scooping ice cream at nights to pay the bills for my mom and my <laughs> oldest brother. And a lot of good stories there. But the, you know, the Lord really guided his steps to a place where he got a job with what was Anderson Consulting way back when. And for anyone that knows that story, Anderson Consulting was a conglomerate with Arthur Anderson, and they were ultimately uh, indicted in the Enron case uh, where they were sort of cooking the books. Now, ultimately, my dad had a, a role to play in navigating Anderson Consulting through that opportunity. But I share all that because he really was someone who was excellent in everything that he did. And God blessed those efforts and brought him to a place where he had significant influence at Accenture, a, a multi-billion dollar, you know, international business. Um, but the thing about my father was that I, he was always present, Kurt. You know, I, I always knew he was going to be there. He, he prioritized uh, my track races and my tennis matches uh, opposed to going on trips and, you know, getting to go to fancy golf courses with executives because he, he knew that his prioritization as a person was first and foremost as a child of God, mm. then as a husband, and then as a father. Mm. And then professional, whatever term you want to use, came next. And so to me, that is really, uh, life is about priorities, right? And, and I was able to see from a very young age that my dad prioritized the right things at the right times. Mm. And I really appreciated that. So mm. uh, I'm going to pause. I, I have another story and I, I know you know it, Kurt, but I'd love to share it with the audience, but I'll pause there before kind of going into some of the work that he did at Accenture. That's great, man. Yeah. I love that. I love that you share that. And, you know, I was raised by, by a father that, you know, uh, carried out his responsibilities as a dad and as a husband similarly. And I think, you know, what's, what's interesting though, you know, my dad was self-employed, uh, is mm. still to this, to this day. And so had that flexibility of, of schedule still was a huge commitment, still had to, you know, be really intentional about how he carried out his work in order to have the opportunity to, to invest his time that way. But I think right. it's even so interesting to hear that from the role that your father was in, in this, mm -hmm. you know, big kind of corporate 
career, this corporate structure, I think sometimes we can use that as an excuse of, Hey, well, I'm, I don't run the same kind of business as, as your dad did Kurt. Right. Or I don't have the flexibility of being a a small business owner or, or being self-employed like, like your dad did. And so to hear that your father was in that such a, 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 a time suck of a role as it can be and still was able to make those priorities known is really encouraging. I think to a lot of guys, I hope it is. I hope it is. And I think it should be because like you said, every role that we have, right. Work is work is an opportunity to honor God. And so whether that means you're an entrepreneur or self-employed or doing the big corporate thing. So uh, it's a perfect transition into the story. So he, again, was a corporate lawyer for Accenture and did really well and got to the point where he was actually asked to become the general counsel. And what that means for those who aren't familiar with corporate speak is that's the number one lawyer in an organization, right? And so he was given that opportunity and he turned it down. He turned it down. And it's, it's those little decisions, right? It, you know, you might have thought, well, that's the right thing for him to do. That creates more opportunity for influence. But he asked himself, what are my priorities? And he knew that by taking that general counsel position, work was going to either impede upon or overtake his responsibilities as a father and perhaps as a husband, Um, you know, certainly his, his responsibility as a child of God could remain, but he knew that the other two came first. So he turned it down. He said, no. And that's, that's bad. You know, in in some people's mind, that's backwards, right? Well, that's a promotion. Take that, take more influence, but God honored it and God blessed it. He, about two years, that was, you know, maybe about five years before he ended up retiring. And then maybe about two years before retirement, the CEO of Accenture uh, at that time, his name was Pierre Nantern came to my dad and he said, Hey, Rich, I'd like, my father's name is Richard Phillips. Rich, I'd like you to rewrite the conduct policy for the entire company. Now at that time, Accenture was 400,000 people worldwide. Okay. Wow. It's now up over 500,000. It's one of the most impressive growing companies in the entire world. If you go and look at its stock performance and my dad just, it was a huge honor. Right. And he said, okay, great. I w- would love to. And so he spent about six months. Well, he spent about a month pondering it. And what the Lord really put on his heart was the book of Proverbs. You know, it's it's the greatest source of wisdom in our world today, but it's not just good for our personal lives. It's good for our professional lives as well. And so he did a simple thing. He took Proverbs and he translated it into business speak. Right. So he pulled out six Proverbs that he really felt called to and motivated by. And he just translated them and he goes before the board. okay, public board, public company. And he doesn't say this is the Bible. He doesn't say this is Proverbs. He says these are enduring truths that we know to be good. And this is how we should operate our business. So that, uh, that conduct policy still exists today. And so if you Google, anyone listening right now, Google Accenture Code of Business Ethics. And if you scroll down to page six, you'll see conduct counts, six fundamental behaviors for how we should operate our business. Mm. That's Proverbs, Kurt. And that to me is, the, is just such an inspiring story. And, and we'll get into how that sort of motivated me in the work that I'm doing today. But man, that is, <laughs> he turned down honor and privilege and glory as a general counsel and God blessed that. Mm. And he took the opportunity. He, he took what God put in front of him to make a difference in the world and in the marketplace. And to me, that's what it means to be a grown man, you know? And that's, awesome. uh, that's really what I'm trying to do with my life. Gosh, that's awesome, man. What a legacy yeah. you know, to, yeah. to think that he had such an opportunity of, to your point of, of influence, right? Turned down what on paper looked like the ultimate opportunity of influence right. to sit in that right. GC role at Accenture 
And to your point, God blessed him by opening the door to such a cool opportunity. Uh, I love how, how that's even framed of, right, these six fundamental behaviors right. built on enduring right. truths from scripture, right? From, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I love, I, I hear people all the time refer to, to an ancient book of wisdom or yeah, yeah. something of that nature. <laughs> my favorite love. new one is, uh, it's the world's greatest management manual. That's my new favorite. <laughs> uh, yeah. A, a, a good friend of mine shared that idea with me. I love it. Right. It's not this yeah. dusty thing to collect dust on our bedside. It is, it is a way to live your life. So yeah, yeah man, it's a, it's a fun story. So shout out to my dad. Uh, you know, the, the postscript for that story is he retired and, uh, he bought a blueberry farm That's and awesome. my father is now <laughs> running better way farms. So it's a plug, go check it out. It's the largest organic blueberry farm in all of Michigan. And, you know, he continues to just amaze. I, what it is to him, Kurt, is it's a It's a ministry. Um, yeah. It is, you know, there's a lot of farmers in the world. There's a lot of migrant workers in the world that are scraping by day to day. And he uses it as an opportunity to bless his community and bless the migrant workers. And they, and they keep coming back year over year, Kurt. And awesome. that is, um, that's a really, really amazing thing to see. So I love blueberry like, farming. You know, yeah. Said, said another way, your dad retired to garden or to farm, but yeah. you know, retired to build the largest blueberry farm in Michigan is exactly what I would expect a father <laughs> like yours to do. So that, that, per, right. that makes perfect sense. That's right. Yeah. He, uh, it's, it's exactly right. He launched all He likes using the phrase, I launched my kids and then I went on to start my second career and he's, awesome. he's never been happier. It's amazing. So yeah, awesome. I, uh, thanks to my dad for, for teaching me how to be a grown man. Yeah, it sounds like an amazing, amazing mentor among many, yeah, I'm sure that you've right. had uh, along right. the way. I'd love to get into a little bit of kind of how, how you took that foundation of manhood, of excellence, of, you know, those six fundamental behaviors mm -hmm. and really turned them into what is now your career of yeah. helping, uh, helping founders connect with investors ultimately to grow yeah. and scale their businesses in a healthy and a little bit of a nuanced way. Yeah, right. So yeah. tell us a little bit of, of your personal story. How did you end up now in the venture world running 11 tribes? Yeah, man. Uh, excellent transition. I appreciate it. So, you know, my background, uh, Chicago kid born and raised here. I, I worked in strategy consulting for about five years after college mm -hmm. and really started to observe in the professional world some of these things that my dad had sort of codified through conduct counts and i realized the power of relationships really really early on right mm -hmm. you you're able to make a connection with someone here and that might not you know turn into something immediately but the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest right and that's applicable to finance but i think it's even more applicable to, applicable to relationships when mm -hmm. you build a relationship and you foster it, not in a transactional way, but in a true relational way, it can yeah. turn to bless you in, in so many ways that you never would have expected. Mm. And so I learned that really early on. I think I observed it and, and really took it to heart. I left, uh, I left consulting and went in to get my MBA at the University of Chicago at the Booth School of Business. And it was there that I really became passionate about entrepreneurship. Um, mm. I think I saw going from consulting where change was kind of the enemy Everyone sort of had a way of doing things and bringing, coming in as a consultant was, you are an agent of change and I don't like that. Mm. I wanted to find something where change was an imperative. Mm. And that was really what drew me towards entrepreneurship. So I started working with founders through the University of Chicago. There's a group called the Polsky Center on campus and I started participating there. 
I just loved it. I loved the the passion and the excitement around the work that was being done. But to me, Kurt, two things really jumped out. One, entrepreneurs are doing the impossible, right? Mm-hmm. You you have you have gone from zero to one. This this is applicable to you, Kurt, and all the all the founders listening. Going from zero to one is the impossible thing to do, and yet somehow they find a way. They deserve all the credit they they've received, but they also need help. And I'm sure you, as as much as anyone would say, it takes a village, right? Yeah. So we give founders a ton of credit, but boy, if we can lean in and roll up our sleeves and participate, there's a lot of value there. And the other thing I learned was, you know, I think the marketplace is an amazing opportunity, amazing vehicle to bring the Bible to conversations in a way that is well-received. Mm. You know, there's principle, like we've been talking about biblical principles. We haven't actually talked about any yet. Well, mm-hmm. through the fund, and I'll get to our fund, you know, we have six, excuse me, five that we talk about being mm-hmm. profitable and sustainable, having high integrity and accountability, seeking the holistic welfare of employees, leading as a servant leader, and aiming for the transformation of a community. Wow. Those are those are the five that we've really leaned on. And I believe, and I'm, I know I have, you know, Bible verses that back each and every one of those up. Yeah. That is the right way to build a business. There's not one way to build a business, but there is a right and a wrong way. Yeah. So yeah. I, 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 uh, I worked with these startups. I, I, I had some experience working in venture capital. And about five years ago, I just really felt inspired to say, well, what would it look like to invest at the earliest stages of a business in a way that is uniquely biblical? Mm. And this was, like I said, five years ago, a year and a half ago, I quit my job. Uh, I was still in consulting to launch what is now 11 Tribes Ventures. We are a seed and series A stage venture capital fund, mm. and we invest in technology companies. But we don't do it in the way that says, Well, the simplest way I can say it is we don't do it transactionally. We do it relationally. Hmm. And what that looks like is a a couple of different things. One, we really take seriously the concept of founder well-being. If you look at the statistics, if you look at the data, 80% plus of startups fail every year. Hmm. And most of the time, well, I'll I'll get more specific, 65 to 70% of the time, it's because of people. It's because of co-founder conflict. It's because of burnout, depression, anxiety. It's because of bad investor relationships that these organizations are failing. Hmm. Now, product market fit, timing, go-to-market strategy, those things matter. I'm not diminishing those, but it needs to be you know, first among equals, right? Yeah. We can't be just talking about the business and not talking about the, the, the team and the leaders and the organization. And so what we do is when we invest at the at seed series A, whatever stage we invest, we allocate 2% of invested capital directly to the founder, directly to the, the CEO of that organization for them to invest in their own mental and physical well-being. So I, I, I think, you know, what we believe, what we're convicted of is by investing into people in that way, we're going to build a portfolio of companies that is more durable, more sustainable, and I think in the long run, more profitable. Yeah. And so that's been that's been really exciting. So to kind of just finish that thought, you know, I think venture capital, there's sort of two ends of the spectrum. There are funds that say we are uh, a faith based fund and we invest in only other faith based individuals. And that's great. And then the other side of the spectrum is I'm a faith based individual working in a secular fund. Right. And, you know, <laughs> preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. I love that. Right. I'm yeah, totally yeah. here for that. We sit somewhere in the middle. Our business model, the way we've modeled our fund is reflective of biblical principles, right? Investing into the well-being of the founders, bringing expertise and and advice from venture partners. But we don't do that in a way that's faith exclusive. So our portfolio right now is 10 companies. 
you know, and, and of those 10 companies, uh, a handful are believers and, and Christians, a handful of them are not, right? And we love that. We're so excited about that. And just really encouraged to see the way that our unique approach is bringing people, entrepreneurs of all walks of life into our ecosystem. Yeah. It's amazing, man. I'm, I'm curious, you know, in, in a couple of different areas, you said you kind of had this, this idea and started working on 11 tribes on the fund five years ago and quit your job and really dove into it about a year and a half. Yeah. What was that? What was that three and a half year gap? Was that just kind of nailing down the model? Was that doing research? Like what were you doing in that time period? Yeah, I, I, uh, it, it, I kid, it was not a gap. Uh, I'll tell you that it was busy. And I know, I know the reason you said totally, right. It, it, yeah. it, it was, a, there was a delay there, right. From the idea, yeah. the moment, you know, the moment the idea kind of hit me and, and I shouldn't say it like that. That's not how ideas work. And, yeah. and I don't know if you feel the same way, right. There was like a I thought mm-hmm. and then there was another thought and then those thoughts combined, you know, that, that's the process. It was, I was told a number of times that what I was trying to do was kind of ludicrous, right? Yeah, I, I had worked sure. a little bit in venture, you know, but raising a fund of tens of millions of dollars to invest without having any prior experience. And maybe it was, but like, I wasn't going to sort of accept that answer. Those three and a half years were um, conversations, Kurt. I would call it sort of customer discovery, frankly, yeah. uh, for lack yeah. of a better term. You know, who are the investors that are going to participate in something like this? What are they looking for? What are they hungry for? And that's a really important part of the fund as well. We have really built it in such a way where investors, limited partners is the technical term. We've built it in such a way where they can really roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty. And we realized through those three-ish years of conversations, that's something investors are looking for. Hmm. Gone are the days where we're putting money to work just because we need to put money to work. People want to have an impact. And that's not just a passive impact. It's an Hmm. active one. So those three years were, you know, it's a little bit chicken in the egg. We had to get the money to invest before we could find the entrepreneurs to work with. So those three years I was in a day job, you know, paying the bills, feeding the family, uh, meeting with a number of different LP potential investors and saying, hey, what? let me throw this idea at the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah. And then the third component was building up a network of entrepreneurs. So when we launched the fund, we could very quickly go to market and say, hey, we're ready to invest in these five, six, seven, eight companies. And so it was a matter of sort of triangulating those three pieces in a way that a year and a half ago, it all kind of came together and we said, we're ready to go. I I love that. And I asked that question somewhat facetiously and, and, you know, I called it a gap hoping that I might piss you off a little bit uh, (laughs) in your response, because I think it's really important to kind of tug at that thread of understanding that to your point, like an idea doesn't just happen at once. Uh, And even getting that idea doesn't happen at once, but certainly executing on that idea doesn't happen at once. Right. And so encouraging, you know, the men that might be listening that, gosh, if there's something that God's put on your heart, start to listen to it, you know, write it down, journal on it, pray on it, meditate on it, really pay attention to it. And then think about, gosh, what would it look like to just take one step towards it? Right. So I love the idea that you shared of like, just getting in front of people and saying, Hey, I got this kind of wild and crazy idea. What do you think? Right. Feedback for me. Like, That's when and you it's scary, Kurt. Times. It's yeah. scary. Yeah. It is because you're making yourself vulnerable, and no doesn't feel good. Yeah. It doesn't. It still doesn't. I'm getting more. I, I've gotten thicker skin. I get a lot of no's, <laughs> and that's okay. Just just to put it in perspective, um, over the last year and a half, I started tracking it when I quit. I've had north of it, this might not surprise you, maybe it will. I've had north of 1,200 phone calls, 1,200 mm. different conversations. Yeah, and we've got 
you know, that, that's a lot of different things, right? That's a big number, but we've only got 50 investors and only it's, it's a good wow. number. We've got 50 investors yeah. in our fund. And so you yeah. look at that conversion rate and, uh, you know, a lot of no's, uh, yeah. but you start to get a yes and then you get another yes. And more yeses have come in the last three months than in the 14 months before that. Totally. And, and the other thing I want to touch on, sorry, yeah. the, real quick, the other thing I want to touch on that you said before we move yeah. on is nothing. <laughs> how do I put this? You have to do the job before you get the job. Yeah. And that's, that's what well those said. three years were for me, right? I was I was doing a version of the job. And I, I know your story, Kurt, and you were doing the job before you created the job, right? And that's yeah. exactly right. And I think it applies to entrepreneurs and folks in the in the more corporate sector as well, right? If you yeah. want a promotion, if you want to, and I, you know, I worked in consulting, I know what it looks like, but you have to do the job before you get the job because no yeah. one's going to give it to you without any sort of like perspective or prior experience. So that was really what we were working on. Well, it's even true in all areas of being a man, right? You, you know, <laughs> I, I talked to a lot of like single men that really want to be married and really want to build a family one day and all those things. And it's like, well, are you carrying yourself in a right. way that would be attractive to a woman that you might want to wear, to marry, right. Right? right? Do the job before you get the job. Do right? the job. I like it. Yeah. I, I call myself a father in training. We don't have any kiddos yeah. yet yeah. and we're working through our, our journey and what that looks like for us to, to become parents. Uh, but I'm learning about what it looks like to be a dad and, and yeah. thinking about what kind of dad I want to be and being prayerful about what kind of character I want to bring into uh, my life and, and my role as a father. And so do the job before you get the job. Yeah, right. I, I yeah. love that. Should I, I that copyright phrase. that? I feel like yeah, I might I be onto something. There. I think you should. You know, <laughs> it's such a good should. point, Kurt. I love you <laughs> shared that. You know, I think, I think we all see this. People realize how important a job being a parent is like, you don't want to let your child die. Right. You got to make sure <laughs> they stay alive. What do we do? We get a dog. Yeah. Right. And maybe you guys have gotten a dog. Maybe you haven't. We, we, we did. We were like, can we keep another living thing alive? Oh, but yeah. One of my really, um, one of my other mentors in my life, my coach in college often told me how selfish you realize you are first when you get married Mm. and then when you have a kid, Yeah, you realize how me focused you are because this, these, these things come in and they explode your world in the best way. And I would just say to the listeners tuning in, I, I echo your sentiments, Kurt, right? realize how inwardly focused you are today and start doing the job that you want to have down the road and things will start to, I think, come together in a different way. So So um, I only say that knowing now how absurdly selfish I was and still am, and I'm working to get better at it. So we got baby number two on the way and that's going to, that's going to show me even more how selfish I am each day. So try to get better. not perfection, right? (laughs) Amen, brother. There you go. I love the other thing I want to call out about, you know, that, that three and a half year, your window, I think it's really important is that there's a lot of misconceptions in our world about being a man means taking bold action, right? Being a man means grabbing the bull by the horns, kind of, kind of speak. And while that's so true and what you were doing is, is bold during that Mm -hmm. season, right? Of, going out and talking to, to potential entrepreneurs, potential companies that you might invest in, going out and talking to to investors and kind of fleshing out this idea even more fully and building that that network. But I think it's interesting too, the other thing you were doing was being patient. Mm-hmm. The other thing you were doing was saying, what's the right step in this season? Not quit my job tomorrow and you know leap without a parachute and try to figure this thing out. But instead, right. hey, what would it look like to carry this thing out with full faith and confidence that it's the direction that God's calling me to, but at the pace and the rhythm that he would have me walk it out? And mm-hmm. I think it's really important. Super important. And, and particularly for 
uh, at, at, you know, I had a one-year-old son a year and a half ago, right? He was one mm. at that point and mm. uh, a wife and a mortgage and all of it, right? All the good stuff. And so I think recklessness is not manliness, mm. right? Those two things are not mm. hand in hand. It's, it's patience, uh, it's persistence. Mm. And I think, you know, just being open to the only thing I think I would add, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm repeating you because it was so good, but the only thing I would add to it is, having a perspective where what you think it should look like to take that risk isn't necessarily what it will be. It's good. I think I had an idea of what I thought 11 tribes ventures should look like. Yeah. And we could talk about those stories for a while of how I came to the, you know, understanding that my vision for it wasn't his vision. And, yeah. you know, uh, you, we have to trust, we have to know that he has a good plan. And if you walk in that faith and you walk in his plan, it's going to look different than you expect, but that's okay. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's his, it's his will. So good. So that's the only thing I would add being flexible and patient enough to realize that what you hope it might look like, isn't what it will actually be. Yeah. And trusting that whatever he's got on the other end of that is, is way it's better good. than anything yeah. we could it, imagine. Right? It, it, it's not just good. It's way better. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Exactly. I love that, man. Okay. So I, I have like three, three things I want to touch on. Okay. Uh, with the time that we have left, the the first is an easy one. This should be a layup for you, I hope. At this okay. point, Mark, tell us about the eleven tribes name. What does, <laughs> what does that name mean? Uh, it, that it, that that's gotta be a layup, boy. I hope I have a good answer <laughs> to that one. So you know the 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 idea behind eleven tribes, uh, Kurt, was in the Old Testament, the twelve tribes of Israel. Uh, they were all called to do God's work, but only one of them was called to be in the ministry, the Levites, mm. right? The other 11 whose calling was no less sacred, right? They were as much a part of the, the, the 12 tribes of Israel as any other one of the tribes. Their calling was to be marketplace builders. Mm. Back then it was craftsmen and warriors and carpenters. You know, it was a different world. Today it's lawyers and entrepreneurs and financiers yeah. and doctors. You know, the list goes on. Work is sacred, Kurt. Work is sacred. And if we view it as a nine to five to pay the bills, it's going to be miserable. And that's why I think 85% of people in America hate their jobs and mm. feel unfulfilled. But if we flip that script and we say, what I'm doing is a blessing, mm. it's sacred, then boy, I am going to feel a lot more convicted and fulfilled in the work that I'm doing. Yeah. So uh, it's really, I'm, I'm excited about the name. We really feel like it represents what we're trying to do. And, and I have, to, I'll, I'll add, I get the question a lot. I, I intentionally named it that because we intentionally named it that because we get the question, well, what does your name mean? Yeah. And that opens the door to someone who maybe we don't align from a faith perspective. And I'll tell you what I say. I say, it's a biblical concept about vocation. Mm. The work that you're doing, and oftentimes this is with an entrepreneur, right? The work that you're doing is about so much more than just raising venture capital and launching a business. It's about making this world a better place to live. Mm. And man, when I say that, it is so fun to see people's eyes light up and they're like, that's how I feel. But not everyone articulates it that way. Yeah. So at the end of the day, the name is biblical and it's about vocational calling. So good, man. It's so good. And it's such a good reminder for those of us that aren't in full-time ministry, you know, and mm. I'm doing air quotes, right? Full-time yeah, ministry, yeah, exactly. um, but that can still walk out ministry in our vocational lives. I think it's such yeah. a cool, elegant reminder uh, of that. So I, I, I would have been remiss if I didn't ask mm. you to share, share mm. some of the name. I'm curious to Mark earlier in the interview, you shared these five kind of guiding principles 
for uh, the, the, the businesses or the founders that, that you work with. Can you run us back through those again? Yeah. You yeah. Know, we were in the flow and you went through them real quick, but, I, but they're so powerful. I'd love for you to, yeah. to share a little bit on each of yeah, those. Yeah, totally. I, I appreciate that. And I get excited. My wife who often hears me on the phone because I work from home, usually she says, you talk too fast. And I say, I know I do. I just get really excited. So uh, I'd love to, and I'm actually going to pull up, uh, I'm going to look at it because I want to share some of the verses that I think are associated with them because I think that's a valuable addition. So yeah, we talk about, you know, we call them our 11 tribes principles of business, Kurt, which is totally plagiarism. Uh, to the Bible. Um, but I think that's okay. I think, I think God's going to let me get away with that one. <laughs> so um, yeah, there's five profitable and sustainable is number one. Um, the really big inspiration there is Matthew 25. That's the parable of the talents. Uh, I'm not going to go into details on all the verses just for sake of time, but people yeah. can look them up afterwards. The next is being of high integrity and accountability. Um, we looked at first Chronicles 29, 17 and Psalm 119, one uh, for the inspiration there. The third is servant leadership. Do we need to talk about that? I mean, Jesus is the perfect <laughs> servant leader, but Mark 9.35 is a wonderful reference there mm. if you want to read a little bit more about that. Uh, seeking the holistic welfare of your employees. Mm. Romans 15.1 and 2 uh, is a really amazing verse, and I'd encourage people to read it. I, what I find so interesting about this one is... <laughs> It's, it's trendy now, right? I mean, you look at, you look at the tech companies in California and you know, it, it's cool to have slumber pods and ping pong tables and all these really attractive things. And I'm not, I'm not, those things are fantastic. We should have that. Let's not forget where this concept came from. Mm-hmm. It's not our idea, Kurt, right? This was, this was something that's biblical in nature and let's make sure we, we remember that. Mm-hmm. And then the last, and I think a really powerful one is aiming any good business that we invest into. We want to see them aiming for the transformation of communities. Mm. I don't mean, well, let me give the verse. Jeremiah 29, seven mm. is a really powerful verse that I'd encourage people to read. I don't mean you live in Chicago, you should transform a community. Any business, you, you will understand this current easily, right? Any business has its own community. Mm. This podcast is a community. And your business that you have launched is aiming to transform this community in a way that makes the world more reflective of the truth we know to be good. Mm. So that's what I mean by community. It's your customers. It's your suppliers. It's any component of that business that you have a touch point with. Look to make them better. Mm. And that's, I mean, I literally get kind of goosebumps there because that is, when you transform the view of a business into that lens, boy, it starts to really become a powerful agent of change. It's awesome. I love that brother. It's so true that, you know, we, we would be, um, we are honored when we get to participate in any transformation, but especially if our business gets to participate in the transformation of a community of the people that, that we have the opportunity to Mm -hmm. serve, my goodness, Mm -hmm. what, what greater purpose could we serve? Right. Amen. It's awesome, brother. Well, as we kind of wrap up and, and run yeah. against time here, I'm curious, you know, this this model of 2% of the, the investment going to the founder's health, I guess, is that being received well by your investors, one? And then two, like, what have some of the results been so yeah. far? You got a yeah, fun success really good. story to share? Yeah, I would love to. Um so a couple of details on it. So yeah, we, we, that's the sort of financial side of it. And then there's a whole yeah. human capital side of it as well. We realized mm-hmm. pretty early on that, great, here's, you know, our average check size at the seed stage is $300,000. Here's yeah. $6,000 to get to work. And 
we went through the process of what that looked like. And I realized that without somewhere to point them to find an excellent coach or to find an excellent therapist or counselor or whatever they might need to become their best self, without that human capital, it falls short. Mm. So we launched an organization. Uh, it was called the Jeremiah Collective. It's, we're actually rebranding, so stay tuned. Okay. Uh, but the idea of the collective was how do we create a one-stop shop for an entrepreneur to find the help that they need? Mm. And so I've been able, I've been really lucky to partner with two women named Dr. Melissa Milanic and then Sarah Parkins. And the three of us have launched this organization. And at this point, we have 15 to 20 different coaches that are aligned from a faith perspective that are excited and eager to work with the marketplace. Wow. And, and I say that because I think if we remove faith from the conversation, I don't mean that in a narrow sense, I mean it in a broad sense. I think we do a disservice to the entrepreneurs mm. because no one is no one is launching a business to get rich quick. Because mm. if you are, I got to tell you right now, stop because <laughs> it's not going to work. Right. I, the, the Facebook story is the is the exception. But, you know, if you're launching a business, it's because you're motivated by something bigger mm. than yourself, Kurt. Mm. And so we want to provide that one stop shop to say, hey, you're an entrepreneur. You know how important your wellness is, your well-being how can we help support you in that? And and yeah, I mean, there's a boy, investors have really liked it because there's not a lot of VCs talking like this, Kurt, mm. but I got to tell you, entrepreneurs love it. Mm. And when I tell them this as part of our value add, their eyes light up because we're putting our money where our mouth is, first mm. of all, and we're actually caring for them. Mm. You know, we're not just saying, hey, here's our money, multiply it by 10 and get it back to us as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. We realize that's not how it works, you know? And there's a number of different stories that have come out. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to share too specifically because I think that's really important that, you know, the sensitivity of that conversation is really yeah. important to the yeah, founders. But the takeaway for me is we talked about it a little while ago. The Bible is a management manual, mm -hmm. you know, and when we actually talk about it in a way that is easily received by a founder or an entrepreneur, the light turns on. And they say, wow, that really is a good way to run a business. Mm -hmm. Wow. Jesus really is an amazing example of a true servant leader. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and it's whether that's someone coming from a, a, a Christian perspective or else. Right. I mean, it's really interesting to be able to learn from that and, and to see the wisdom in the truth of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So it's been it's been amazing. Uh, we're, we're only growing. And, and the idea just for the audience is that the Jeremiah Collective, soon to be renamed, is really the first uh, excuse me, 11 tribes ventures is really the first customer of the Jeremiah Collective. Mm. And so the vision is how do we bring this to anyone listening here who is an entrepreneur or works for a fund and is really passionate about founder well-being? Well, we've created the resource where now you don't have to go searching the internet for a good coach. We are doing that hard work and we're going to make that available to funds and entrepreneurs and innovators of all walks of life. So awesome. we're really excited about what the future is going to hold for the Jeremiah Collective. Man, Mark, you talk about, you know, that that last pillar, that last principle being transformation of a community. And brother, I just want to speak uh, some encouragement into your life that 11 Tribes is honoring that principle. Mm -hmm. The work that you're doing, I know, will transform the lives of the founders that you get to impact and their teams. It'll transform the lives of your investors as they get to participate in a story mm -hmm. that is about so much more than a multiple. Uh, and I'm just excited to see what God does with uh, a, a group that is so committed to bringing restoration to an industry that has been broken for a long time. Uh, so thanks <laughs> Thank for what you, you're Kurt. doing, man.
Thank you, man. That means a lot. It has been for an industry that is so keen on innovation. It has not innovated on itself. <laughs> yeah. Well said. Yeah. Well yeah. said, brother. Thanks for coming on the show. If anybody listening wants to learn more about 11 tribes, if maybe they're a, a potential investor that wants to learn a little bit more about how they might get involved or, or maybe a, a, an entrepreneur that is seeking funding or just want to follow your journey along the way, where might you send them so that they can get connected? Yeah, absolutely. It's generous of you to ask that. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be bold and say I've been amazed at what God has done through cold introductions. And I'm just going to share my email uh, because awesome. I, I, I love your listeners. I'm sure they're all great people. So email me at Mark, M-A-R-K at one one tribes dot com. Awesome. Uh, I, I'm a nice guy, I promise. Hopefully they've gotten that vibe. <laughs> uh, but I also, you know, I'm trying to get better about like, I guess social media is the right way to put it. So yeah. you know, find me on LinkedIn, find 11 tribes on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter now. Um, Look at you, really man. never thought I'd be a tweeter of tweets, but it's a, it's a resource, man. So you gotta, you gotta, you know, give the people what they you're, want. So I'm at pithy, Mark. You're quick. That, yeah, that I try to be, be good for you. Yeah. Mark Phillips VC. So it's Mark really Phillips boring, VC. but hopefully easy to find. So yeah, man, I'd love to hear from anyone that's listening. It just feels really, um, whatever you got on your heart, like, let's talk about it. Right. And, and I just, I've been so blown away the last year and a half, these thousands of conversations, what, God has done through just what he puts on people's hearts. And it's not unintentional that you right now are listening to this and you're feeling that tug. That's not unintentional. So uh, do something about it. Take that first step. Mm. Amen, brother. Thank you for the generosity of sharing that, man. And I can vouch for Mark is one of the (laughs) easiest, most enjoyable guys to talk to and wicked, wicked smart. So take him up on that offer and reach out. Awesome. Kurt, thanks so much for having me, man. This has been a total blast. Thanks for coming on, brother. Man, I am feeling inspired and motivated. Thank you so much for tuning into our conversation with Mark Phillips. We hope that you got something out of it that you can take with you into the rest of your day, the rest of your week, and beyond. We want this to be a show that doesn't just affect the time that you're listening, but that it's a show that sparks change for your tomorrow. If you enjoyed today's show and you want to learn more about our community, then you can visit our website at grownmanproject.com or you can give us a follow on the gram at grownmanproject. That's all we have for today, fellas. We'll see you next week. 